Welcome to Malcolm Reed's How to Barbecue Right, a podcast where we talk about barbecue, share recipes, and discuss all things delicious. And now, here's your host, Malcolm and Rochelle Reed. Hey, welcome back to the How to Barbecue Right podcast. I'm your host, Malcolm Reed. We've got a special guest today with us today, Shell. We've got Shell here with us, Tyler here with us, and... Mark Williams Mr. from Swine Life Barbecue. Once again. He come all the way, what, about five, six doors down? Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> Just down the hall. <laughs> but no, we wanted to uh we wanted to bring Mark on today because we're gonna talk about the Palmer Home event that we did last weekend, the VIPP shell. Mark's more specifically, we're gonna talk about the hog that yeah. Mark cooked. They, well, the pig we picked. The pig we picked, yeah. Picked. And how uh how you cooked it and what you did and why it was so good. I'm gonna say right now when Jay pulled up with that big hoss outlaw pit, I had thought I'd seen a big pit before. <laughs> that dude is is a monster, and it is bad to the bone. Nobody understands. Like we've done a video on it several times. I got one. Jay's got video. Don't I've do seen it the video. You don't see the scope of no. it until you're standing there looking at. And it. they see the price, and they're like, "There's no way." I'm like, "You got to put eyes on it." So uh, let's explain that a little bit. Jay is from Outlaw Smokers. Jay Craig. He is the founder owner. Pit builder extraordinaire and a heck of a pit master, too. Yes, he is. Of Outlaw Smokers. Which is a stick burner smoker. Offset stick burner, top flow. Um, it's He's got several models, so it depends on what model we're actually talking about. Today will be the hoss, but he's got them from your patio size up until not-so-patio hoss. Which Carts, hybrids, fully enclosed, BFO. BFO. So we had the BFO here. And I thought... The BFO is a big freaking pit. <laughs> big freaking That's why we started calling it that. It's huge. The BFO. And it is. looks little. And then he built this hogzilla cooker called Hoss <laughs> to cook whole hogs. That was the whole premise of it. He wanted to build a pit. So what we got to talking, I guess, when we were up in Mentone yeah. last year. He would it wasn't even a concept. It was barely a thought then. We so that this has been about three years in the making. From originally, the BFO was kind of the first entry level into this big style pit. Yeah. And when we start, when he got that and developed it and we cooked on it, we realized there's something to do with the size of pit we have. Like the airflow is different. It's a gentle cook. It's, I mean, people seen it at Memphis May Spring Fest that we've cooked on it. There's zero variation from left to right on that pit. I don't know what it is. It's just, it's some magical, something magic goes on. And that really pushed us there, and we started talking back and forth because his Jay will tell you his goal is to he wants to he wants to win a hog world championship. That is, yeah. and that's a great goal to have. I mean, I'm I'm right there with him. So, but that was his end goal is he wants a hog pit. And we went back and forth. You were involved. We sat down, and had many a drinks, and talked about this for hours. And it was one of the things if you're going to build a pit to this size. Why not be able to cook a hog and still have room on the other side if you're doing an NBN contest to cook every category on one pit? So you got your shoulders, you got your rib room, you can still cook a hog on it. Yep. But the the biggest thing that I see about it, not that it's just a stick burner pit, because there's been people building stick burner pits that cook yeah. hogs. You know, all, I've seen them for years, but I've never seen the one that has the firebox underneath the rack. So you're using you're using the in the in fire chamber to create that overdraft heat that a, that a stick burner has but you're using the the hot coals underneath the hog to kind of duplicate an authentic brick smokehouse Old style school hog. and where you get those meat juices dripping down on those coals and I, y'all have heard me say it before a drum does it as good you know that that's what reminds me of authentic barbecue the way those meat juices drip down on the coals and when you're adding the control of a stick burner with the airflow and the flavor of having those baskets of coals up under the hog and easily move them around where you want to, like you were running an old fashioned yeah. brick pit, it's a it's a game changer in hog cooking. And we're not even we're just now at the tip of the iceberg as far as what this pit can actually do. I think I mean, so. We're learning it every time. And I told you that when we cooked this hog, I was like, I feel like this is going to be one of our better hogs. You know, everything, we learned a lot through it. We had the cook time down. We're kind of getting a better idea as far as what you can get away with as far as rubs go because this is a hot and fast hog, plain and simple. You're not going to put sugar on the front end, and it's just, I just think we're easing into it, and each time it's getting better and better and better, and we're learning how to control, and 
we've learned the last two cooks that just because, like, if we cook shoulders on the regular size pit or the regular side of the pit away from the coals, it still gets the same flavor. I mean, that flavor is just throughout that entire pit. So it's it, that's telling you right that's now. It's yeah. not just the meat that's dripping. Mm-mm. It's getting in the air. You're getting that aroma mixed with the smoke or the hot air that's moving through that pit, and it's moving over to the cool side. The cool, it ain't cool side. No. But it's off coal side. We noticed the last time we've cooked on it, we noticed it this time when it was cool Saturday morning. We fired it up. We were doing some checking. The hog was on, and we just, if you open the door real gentle but kind of quick, you can kind of see what's going on in that pit as far as airflow, where it's going. And what's happening is that firebox is so big, and this is theory. This is me and Jay talking. We're not scientists, but that firebox on the end is so big. It's drawing so much air. It's actually pulling some of the heat from what you put underneath that hole back toward the firebox, and then it's coming back across. So it's reverse flowing itself without a plate. Right. So The hog itself is acting like the plate because it's just mass blocking it. And we were able to, Saturday morning, close the vent down on the firebox a little bit on the inlet. And we was running 250 on the firebox side and 400 under the hog from the coals. Wow. Holy so you can control two different cook temps on that pit relatively easy. And it's all in damper and all in airflow. And there's so. not that much space in between those two mm-hmm. areas. No, we were running. The one side was 250-275. And when we had a good bed of coals under that hog, that other side was 375-400. So on that pit, what do you think the temps like? Walk, walk us through the temps that you cooked this hog on. Because it was a hot, when you say hot and fast hog, yeah. you yeah. cooked a 139-pound hog. Um, it was, the only thing, we, I mean, we trimmed it, cooked it. Um, skin side skin down. Skin side down the entire time, no flipping it. So and did, it was on six and a half, six and a half hours? Six hours, I think, that hog was done. Just done. Yeah. And the rest yeah. of it was just hold time. Just hold to, time. Waiting to serve him. So, so walk me through the temps that y'all put it on and how you did it. So we're still learning the fire up the process of this. And as big as that pit is, we can get it up to temp in about 20 minutes. As long as it takes one chimney of charcoal to light, we can be sitting on 350. What's up to temp? Okay, 350. Yeah, 350. Um, that's cooking temp. That's where, that's where you want to... That's where we start it. Start finish? No. Oh. So what we've been doing with these hogs is because the biggest thing to get that old school flavor and get that fat dripping is you got to get that meat starting rendering pretty quick. So we hit it with a hot and fast up front. Because I want to start getting that belly to drip a little bit. And some of that stuff just to just to get that flavor working. And if you run it at 300, you're putting that behind another hour at least. So running it at 350, we we bumped 400 a little bit that morning. Cooking the hog you were cooking yes. at 400? Yes. And what we notice is if you get it up hot, 350 and up for the first hour, you can be dripping within that hour. So you can be you know dripping some of that fat within 45 minutes and go ahead without and start. Without burning it up. Without burning it up, no. <clears throat> and doing that too starts that renting process because we still want the skin to be good. Like we filled up a pan full of just I'm gonna tell you best eating skin you can eat. I, when Mark I've never had me, that bite off. Of when Mark hog. told me they were eating the hog skin. I've had judges ask us to try it when we've we've done competition hogs, and they'll ask you, you know, get me off a piece of skin right around the shoulder collar or you know up around the jaw or something like that. And I've done it before, and it's I was like, why would you want to eat that? Because it was I mean it it was hard. But it didn't have, it didn't seem like it was going to have any flavor or anything to it. When you told me y'all were eating the skin, I was very skeptical. <laughs> and then when we brought it in and we were pulling the meat out away from it, and you could just take it and tear the skin and break it off and eat it, it was almost like eating chips. And it had a saltiness to it. It had a savoriness and to a it. And a fattiness. See, you got a piece of the, shell got a piece of the skin off the belly. So yours had good crunchy skin and some pork belly right there with it. And a touch of meat, too. <laughs> yeah. It was like... It was true, An like explosion in your mouth. <laughs> and see, we don't I've never had that, um, you know, that well. I've I've had skin, and I was like, I ain't crazy about it. Even the one we did when we when we cooked that, we tried oh hickory with the you know running style. That skin, I mean, it was hard. It was crunchy, but it wasn't good. Yeah, this skin was good. I'm talking really good. So we're not salting that skin either. And that is something that if was it oiled or no? no. We you just, didn't salt the one we, you cooked Saturday. We didn't salt the skin. Yeah, we salted yeah. just the exposed meat. And if we would have salted the skin and done it that way, we really could. I mean, because I'm not saying we can eat this whole hog skin. Not you, every yeah, bit of yeah. it. You got a bunch of it. You got a good points. All your like up around the the shank on the picnic on the shoulders. That's all good. The edges of the belly's good, and up around the bottom of that ham's usually good. But you get toward the middle of the hog, 
it's just so much moisture in that belly and everything that that skin doesn't get as good. Now, if we would have flipped the hog, salted it, done it true Carolina style, man, you could have, it, it'd be Started phenom- out Yeah, way. it'd be phenomenal. It wouldn't be a show hog, but it would be a good eating yeah. hog. Do you trim it differently? Like when compared to how we used to trim like a comp hog? So with this pit, we the very first hog we cooked, we trimmed it just like I've learned from y'all. And, you know, backbone was split, backbone was in. We cut the ribs, laid it out as flat as possible, and it cooked good. But what we noticed was that because we're cooking hotter, every bone that's exposed to the backbone and those ribs absorb more heat and it's causing the loins to overcook, causing the belly to overcook. So we actually take the backbone completely out now. And it's reverse of what you think it is. Do you leave the ribs in? No, we take everything out. Okay, you're taking the ribs. The only bones that are in that hog when we cook it is the shoulders and ham. That's it. Everything else is gone. So it's already Mm -hmm. (laughs) deboned. How hard is it to debone it? Well, the first time we'd done it, it sucked. Because, <laughs> I mean, this was you the first. It up. Yeah, we didn't know what we were doing. I mean, we were learning. Um, this one here, we actually got this hog from BFR Meats out of South Carolina. and Shout out to this Daniel, wasn't it? Yeah, Daniel. Yeah, man, he drove that hog down here fresh. And it was an excellent hog. It was. And He said it was a York Duroc. It was a, Hampsh- a Duroc Hampshire. Okay. And... So I, I'll, I'll probably butcher this and get this wrong, but just from talking to him and everything, the way they do their hogs is they're feeding them out on barley. So this here, because it was a smaller hog, 130-pound, 140-pound hog, they feed them out for 100 days. But once you get above the 150-pound hog, they feed them out for 200 days. And he told me, he says, it's daylight and dark from 100 to 200 days that as far as the barley. Yes. Really? So. How big a hog do you think we cook on that pit? You could easily put. 200 pounders? Yes, but I don't know if I want to shovel coals for that X amount. Of, I don't know how much longer that would put us off. That'd probably be more a nine-hour hog, I'd imagine. And we could have just adjusted the schedule. Um, we've just cooked these 120, 130-pound hogs because, hey, it's all the meat you'll ever need to feed this many people. You know, it was more than enough for Saturday. Oh, yeah. And oh, yeah. Well, we took bags and bags and bags home. Well, we'd, we'd hurt them. Yeah, we already hurt them that day. Yeah, they'd eat that much. <laughs> But so now the first time we took the backbone out, it did take me a minute. But Daniel at BFR, he reached out to his butcher, the guy that cuts his hogs for him, and said, Hey, can you do this? And the guy's like, Yeah. And he done an excellent job. You know, there was one loin that was a little bit cut, but we salvaged it. It looked good. And what I was more impressed with is the split head. That one, me, was. Y'all were real skeptical about that, and I completely understand. I didn't, I've never it seen it. It looks so cool. The- but once we got it done, that was beautiful. I mean, the jowl meat was unbelievable in it. I liked it because we didn't do nothing to that. We put them two halves on a full-size cooling rack pan or a full-size cooling rack and just wrapped it in foil, and we put it in a pit, and I never looked at it the rest of the day. Like, we made sure it was good and dry. We wrapped the ears up good, and we didn't touch it. So when you, we talk about a split head, explain what a split head is. <laughs> they run that dude down a bandsaw. <laughs> so they take the hog's head. Snoot the – I guess – Three in the ears. So if is I it con- It's connected, though, at some – no, they cut the head off. They cut the one. head. I told them no, I wanted it. No, I mean it. the two pieces. So they normally, a oh, lot of their hogs they do, they supply to restaurants up there in the Carolinas, and they all get half hogs. That's so they split them down the middle anyway. So well, they process them. Right. That's yeah. how they process them. So I think he removed the backbone, and out of normal practice, that's where they split them, and he just split it right down the middle. And it was two perfectly, I mean, right down to snoot, <laughs> and it was two perfect halves. But you could sit there. And you watch me do it. Just grab that skin on the head and just go, and it was just a bowl of goodness. Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> it was just right there. I'd never, hey, I would love to cook them split like that. I'm thinking if you could just order some split heads and cook them, dude, have, that'd be so good. That's man. it. How many heads can we fit on the hog? <laughs> you want a half a hog head. Yeah. But face meat sandwich. We're learning more and more and more every time we cook. I'm going up there New Year's. We're cooking another one. Um, Tell you what, if I mean, if Memphis and May shakes out, I think we're going to do hog, Mark. We've already that hog was too good. I'm going to tell you, I've tasted a lot of hog, and for it to just now injected it with a really good injection, but that was the main flavor in the meat. But then it was just salt, and then because of the high heat you cook it at, you don't put any rub or anything mm-hmm. on it, sauce on it. To the very end, to get ready to glaze it, and it's only on there for forty-five minutes. Yeah, if that. So and so, all that flavor was authentic pork, barbed, you know, Duroc, Yorkshire hog, whatever, cooking down in it, and every bit of it. Like most of the time, you know, there's parts of the ham that are tough. Some of the shoulder you don't eat. 
the, you know, the loins toast if you don't know what you're doing. This from front front quarter to rear quarter to everything in between, even the head was just perfect. It tasted it tasted like Carolina barbecue. I mean, and that's see, what it tasted like to me. Pit style pork. You could taste the smoke in it. And I I'll tell everybody out there, I watch Malcolm and if I'm feeding him something I have to watch his actual reaction because Malcolm will tell you it's good in a heartbeat and it ain't. Like, <laughs> I would do that. That's what I told Jay. He's like, do you really think Malcolm thought it was that good? And I was like, yeah. Because what sold me on it, you were standing behind me, and he's like, hey, break some of that ham off. Get, give me some of that ham. I said, okay. So I reached in. got And on you the, were expecting it to be dry, weren't you? Oh, I was. Because <laughs> yeah. I, if I, I, I mean, somebody done cooked this hog at 350, getting up to 400 <laughs> degrees in six and a half hours. I was like, it's going to be toast. Yes, against everything toast. we've it's been Against everything, yeah, anything I've ever done. So I reached in, and I've, I've watched some great pit masters, you, Heath, pull hogs. I know where some pretty good cuts are. And I reached down deep in that ham, pulled out a piece, handed it to him. I said, no, I want some ham, not bacon. <laughs> I said, no, that is ham. And he was like, there's no way that's ham. And I reached back in there and pulled out, I mean, a wad of it. And, man, it was good. It was juicy. It was smoky. It had flavor on it. I mean, it was... And the only thing you glazed it with was vinegar, vinegar sauce, sauce, right? So start to finish on this hog, we got up here Friday. Around, it was 3, 3.30, we laid the hog out and just cleaned it up. It really didn't need much trimming. They left the ribs in, so we kind of filleted them out. And then just cleaned up any stuff that was might burn. Because I mean, and Yeah, anything that's sticking up, we got to get it down. It's like, I mean, brisk, it's like a yes. brisket when you cook it on a stick burner. You want this hog to be aerodynamic because we're going to put it to the wind. I mean, we're cooking. And what happens if you don't make it aerodynamic and you have something sticking up on that? It's going to burn up. It's going to burn up. So that's what we noticed. We did the it first. catches the air. Mm-hmm. And yeah. The hams on a 150-pound hog stick up so much higher than the shoulders that you have to either fillet those down or you have to tin them right out the gate. Um, and we're still, again, we're still learning this pit. And so anything that was sticking up higher than the shoulder, I even shaved some off the ham to try to get it low to where it lays in there flat, nothing sticking up. And all we did was injected it with apple juice, salt, brown sugar. Hot and sauce. A little hot sauce. I mean, nothing fancy. It was just sure. a... <laughs> I, saw, I saw y'all doctored. Yeah, you was doubting me. <laughs> I was. I didn't have my measuring cups out, so Mark. You was doing it, and y'all was tasting it with a spoon, and I said, Mark, are y'all doing this like y'all did last time? Because I don't think you normally just start dumping. And he's like, I got this. I got, I got this. this. So we're going to make it taste good. Yeah. You tasted it till you said it tasted. I never seen anybody do that with injection. We're going to taste it till it tastes good with a spoon, and that's what we're putting in the hog. And I was like, dang, Martin knows what I mean, if about. it don't taste good, then it's not going to taste good in the hog. <laughs> yeah. right. You're right. You just got to realize it's going to be salty. Yeah. Um, especially on a hog or a shoulder, a bigger cut of meat. If you can taste that injection, it don't make your jaws kind of lock up. It ain't salty enough. Put some more salt in it. I know a lot of pit mashers that go with that. And it's you won't ever notice it. That hog was not salty whatsoever. No, it, was, it was perfect. And it held all the injection we can put in it. And and that was where you got your sweetness. Yeah. And see, we didn't mention, like, we didn't put any phosphates in this hog. And we won't going forward. What's your thinking on that? And we've done it. We've got timeline after timeline after timeline. If we inject a 130-pound hog with phosphates, and I'm talking not much, you're putting two and a half to three hours on that cook. Because so, of the moisture retention. The moisture the retention. And I may be completely wrong get this against this or whatever. This is my theory on this is – you're cooking moisture out to get that hog tender or that shoulder tender or that brisket tender. You're cooking water off. The only thing that's staying in there to make it juicy is the fat. There's you're not water does not make that hog any better. Apple juice does not make that hog any juicier. You're just getting the flavors out of your injection. So my theory to that, guess what? Don't evaporate. Carry gold butter. <laughs> <laughs> so how do you? You cook Work. the moisture out of it. You cook the, the moisture fat out. Stay in the there. fat staying there. So if how you, do you get carry gold butter inside the hog? A big old injector. <laughs> Nobody. If if y'all attended this event, y'all did not see this. This was all behind the scenes, but we pumped that baby up some carry gold, <laughs> and it was it good. Will, how many, how many blocks will, do you think you put in there? Eight. Oh god. <laughs> so we two counted. pounds. At yeah. what point? Um, this was right after it was done. It was resting. We were slowing the hog down, and we just put a little butter in it because, you know. We don't – I really don't know, like, scientifically, if, if phosphates are there to retain moisture, what good is it doing? Because you're, you're just slowing your cook down. Well, never the ideal them. is I've it's going to make a ju- juicy product. You can cook something that's got so much moisture in it or it's got moisture-retaining properties that it's not going to be dry. 
it can't be dry because it ain't you can't cook all it's holding that moisture yeah. back. But you're exactly right; it does delay it because that's what cooking is taking the moisture out of whatever meat you're cooking. Now, if, so there's a fine line between when you take too much out, what yeah. it's holding back, and we, if how we, long it cooks. If we wrap that hog up tight like we do a brisket when we inject with phosphates, it may push right on through that stall, and that's kind of the reason we wrap in foil at contests yeah. and stuff like that. But we don't wrap this hog tight. Like it's, I mean, it's tinted. It's just tinted. We just put something over the top, just that way you don't keep nuking this. You know what your your bark and everything. The bottom's completely exposed because we still want to drip all that on the coals and render all that fat on that skin. So we don't do phosphates. Um, we, We're protecting the loin with sausage and bacon, yeah. things like that, to slow it down to keep it from overcooking. But we the got rest some, of it's just you just got to get it done. Yeah, and. You know, we're going to put in at what flavor we can. And at contests, you know, we're, we're planning on doing a couple of hog contests next year. And all that's in the blind box. You can you can jazz that up whatever you want before it goes in the box. To people say that injection is going to win that hog contest, no, it's that last five minutes before it goes in the box. I don't witness that. What you do before <laughs> it gets put in that box is what wins that contest. Yeah. Got out of finish. That's, that's, all, that's all competition barbecue. That's every time. You what you do at 5 o'clock on Friday don't mean crap for Saturday. <laughs> yep. So what goes in that box is what counts. That's right. So at what point, you said you got here at 3, you trimmed it up, made sure it was aerodynamic. Mm-hmm. What do you do after that point? So we injected it, and it held. We didn't really put that much injection in it. It might have held a gallon, gallon and a half maybe. And Jay has a nice little rack built to move the hog around so you can get it laid out how you want it, and it's big enough it'll fit in the big grizzly cooler. You can sit it right in there on the rack. And all we did is I had some uh, black bisqueen. I wrapped him up, put him in that cooler, put a couple bags of ice on him, closed the lid, and we didn't see him again until 5 o'clock Saturday morning. Put him on ice cold. Yeah. And that was another thing. Like at a contest or timeline permitted, I would have got that hog out two or three hours beforehand and let it start coming up, and that's going to – Heck, we might cook a five-hour hog, you know? <laughs> At what point did you salt it? Right before it went on. Okay. So I noticed when we were before we were salting the night before, Cure. and that salt starts curing that bark, and it gets a little jerky-like on mm-hmm. you. So we didn't do anything. I made sure everything was dry. Went on the pit. While, right before we closed the doors on the pit, I had a big box of just coarse rock salt and just sprinkled over the whole thing. And then That's all it's like. Ice cream salt. Really? I that's mean, what that's, you use? Yeah, that's all it is. It's just the extra big rock salt. It was, I think it was sea salt or I it was kosher salt you got. So, yeah. yeah. It was just the real, real big. The big coarse, yeah, yeah. kosher salt. I was going to say, it wasn't like you throw I mean, we'll it on <laughs> no, no mineral salt. <laughs> Have a couple of limestone in it. But we done that, got it in the pit. And like I say, when we put the hog on, the pit's running 350 pretty easily. Um, it was raining pretty hard Saturday morning. Yeah. So we had it kind of backed up out there in the warehouse and just had the exhaust stack out. And it uh, we, we got it pretty hot. Well, we, by the time we got the Bloody Marys batched up, Shell, and everybody got there, the thinking was we wanted – we, we had everybody showing up for the, the event at 9, wasn't it? Yeah. And yes. we wanted to be ready for them to roll in, get them a Bloody Mary, come outside, and let's tent that hog. Because we started it at 5. Yep. It went four hours – and that's when it was time to tent. So so only thing we done between five and nine was I spritzed it with just white vinegar once or twice. Really? Mm-hmm. Why not apple cider? I was scared it was going to get color. Okay. So It's we, all about not letting it turn Yeah, dark. I want yeah. it to be as pale as can be. And it looked like it was tanned. I mean, it Yeah, did. it was beautiful. You want that good, just real, real light golden color. And that's when we tinted. And... If there was anywhere that moisture was pulling, like on the belly, I would try to get that out, and I would touch it back up with salt because that salt will get that bark. It'll it'll make all that fat caramelize up and get crunchy, and that's what I wanted. So, what wood was y'all burning on? Was that that was that Micah's wood? Mm-hmm. So we ran the Micah's wood, and then Jay brought just because this is a big pit. It's hickory, right? He brought some bigger chunks of hickory. Okay, and yeah, what size uh, splits do y'all use in that big thing? It'll take it all. If you want to back a tree up to it, it'll eat it. You know. <laughs> No, we run – so the way that firebox is made, it's got a pretty aggressive or a larger fire grate for your actual fire for your stick burner. And then he has the baskets that sit underneath that that catches the coal as it breaks down and makes his own coal, and that's what you put under the hole. So what we were doing, and this has worked really well, is like we've tried to – we've done a burn barrel the first time we fired this pit up. You burn so much wood to equal one bag of charcoal, you know, 
You don't realize that. You don't realize. I mean, you'll burn a cord of wood, and it don't even it don't get you nowhere. Have you seen those charcoal makers where people build those barrels inside the barrel and they put it out? They pack as much wood as they can in that barrel. And it's a five-pound bag. And and it's like 10 pounds of lump coal when you get done. It's like, dang, it ain't worth spending a day and a half trying to make a 10-pound bag. So all we did this time was we took some royal oak lump, put in the baskets, put underneath the fire that was going, and in 10 minutes it would catch – and it's ready to put under the hog. And then you take those baskets, move them underneath the hog, and spread them around. You're still working the pit. Now, don't yeah. get me wrong. This is a, a live fire. You're still running a pit. You're still shoveling coal, but it's efficient. And How often are you moving the coals from the basket to underneath the hog? Uh, about every hour. Okay. You know, so you're not like just You're constantly. not constantly, no. Yeah, it's not a, a So the way, the way he has the bottom part for the coal under the hog, he has it raised up enough to where – you don't really have to worry too much about a grease fire because that's one of the things we thought about is, all right, you're renting a 150-pound hog. This grease has to have somewhere to go. So he's got it staged to where there's really – if you just don't take care of the pit and let grease build up, yeah, it's going to catch on fire. But if you clean the pit, you're not going to have any issues on one or two hogs. And the coal is far enough away from where the grease settles in the pan. He tries to get that distance away from it. So the way it works is once you put the coal on an expanded grate, he actually has vents below him. So if you ever wanted to run that pit just on coals under the hall, you have a damper vent that you can open and close to adjust air. I didn't know that. Yeah. So you have multiple ways to do it, but the way we run it, we leave them closed and only get the air from the normal firebox. Um, One thing I will say about this cooker is I looked at it really closely and I told Malcolm this. You can tell this is like a guy that cooks and, you know, is constantly trying to improve. He That's who built it because Every time he builds a new pit, it's got some new little things to it. You know, he thinks about little little details and how to make things easier and how to prevent fires and oh, the handle to move the baskets. That that kind of yeah. like that's something he's on NASA. The shovel holder. <laughs> he's got a he's got like the flat scraper and then a shovel holder that goes on the pit where they go. The door, the way the door flips down to load the hog end, where you can spin it and load it on the rack, and how easy it spins. Oh, it's genius. Yeah. It's one of the most efficient hog pits I've cooked on. I want one so bad, Chill. <laughs> like my own. <laughs> it's going to look good. And moving on. Uh... <laughs> I was trying to like, I was going to let that just kind of that. So what else like do we do at the event, <laughs> So what else do we do at the event, Chill? Um, we cooked two briskets. And those briskets. I can't. I don't know if I can say it's the best brisket I've ever had. No, you told me it was the best brisket I've ever had. I, I made so, you say it again. Did you coat those in blue plate mayonnaise? I didn't. You should have. Why they not? might have been better. They might have been better. Have you done the, the mayo as a binder on a brisket yet? No, and I was going to talk about, too, the, the mayo steak. You know, I told you. You did do that. Yeah. So yes. you're the one that told us to try it. Yes. And it was blue plate, right? Blue plate. Best mayonnaise best on the planet. Best mayonnaise ever. Best yep. mayonnaise on the planet. I don't I don't have a Shout dog in this hunt. Blue. I love all mayo. <laughs> as long as it ain't miracle whip, I'll lick the spoon. <laughs> but no, so but blue plate's your favorite, right? Spoon liquors you not. Y'all are on team spoon. We'll liquor. do the brisket. We'll come back to the steak with mayo. Okay. But no, those were A nines from Kevin Green, some of the best out there. And they were I can't remember. They, one was 16 and one was 18, so they're pretty good-sized briskets. And so, so when we first started talking about doing brisket, we had the idea of we are just going to do like a choice brisket and then a wagon. It's going to be chilling briskets. Show people what just a regular old brisket like you cook at home was. And then – I was scared we was going to have a plate of regular lean brisket over there nobody <laughs> ate. Old dry. Brisket. And then me and Mark, we, we kind of got together and said, man, let's just kill them with two wagon briskets. Make it as so, rich as we can. So they were full-blown competition, 180 brisket at the Jack, right? I didn't get a 180 Jack. Oh, I got 179. 179 at the Jack brisket. But you have gotten a 180 oh, yeah. brisket a couple times this year. It's done very good for yeah. me this year. So that was the that was what you did. And we're yeah. not going to talk about the recipe because that's too big determined. It, it's nothing but prime <laughs> beef. That's all he needed yes, to know. Yes, why not prime beef? That's the secret to it. But he also took the point. So in competitions, Mark, you cook separated flat and point. I never Sometimes even. Cook I don't even point. take the point with me at the contest because I don't want to have to guess myself when we're building that box. Is this point good enough? Was well, this point better than the flat? Give me one item, do it perfectly, turn it in. Yeah, you learned your lesson at Memphis. Mike. Yeah, I learned my lesson. <laughs> given too many choices, so you did the flats. Mm-hmm. Started them out on, I think, Fancy, right? Yeah, we fired Fancy up. Cooked, cooked them both on her? Mm-hmm. Where'd what? you cook the points? So the what's, points. What's Fancy? 
That's that's my outlaw that we <laughs> Miss Red Fancy. Yeah, she is a fully enclosed pull behind Renegade. Rene, is it a Renegade mm-hmm. model? Is what it's called? Yours is a. I can't remember if yours is a twenty eight twenty eight sixty or twenty eight twenty eight sixty or twenty six sixty. But one of y'all call her fancy. She's high maintenance. She's high maintenance. Man. She looks fancy. She's red and shiny yeah. and you sparkly. Got, you have to wipe her down <laughs> every time we yeah. move her. Oh, yeah. I mean, she's... She likes to be clean. She does. She but no, we usually... I start my briskets on a microwave shelf, which is probably 425, 450 degrees. And Explain that real quick. Microwave shelf. So in the most, all your stick burners or ha- top-down stick burner will have a microwave shelf on the exhaust, di- exhaust side of the pit at the top. So it's just a second removable shelf that's up in the hottest part of that pit. We call it the microwave shelf because when things go wrong, you need something to cook fast, <laughs> you put it on a microwave shelf. And it is. It's probably anywhere from 100 to 125 degrees hotter right there than it is. But since we were cooking two big flats... I didn't have the room to do it like I normally do, so I ran them on the bottom shelf, but ran Miss Fancy at 450 degrees. And it does. She'll eat. She'll eat. She ate some wood that day. She done good. But done the same recipe, you know. It stayed up there, got good color. We wrapped them at two hours. Five hour brisket. Yeah. Took it to. That's crazy. Took it to tender. Whatever took it, ten- t- took it, took it to, it to tender, tender, whatever it takes. Yep, and that's a good thing. We take them to tender. We don't cook the temperature on briskets. We take them to tender. Take them to tender. It's all in the feel. Did you? Uh, we let everybody feel them too. We that did. was what was cool. That's show. what I was gonna say. Yeah. Even in the hog, like you know, this wasn't a class. This was an event, just where we we're cooking and feeding people. But we wanted to give them some of that instructional experience. Yeah. So we would bring them out. As Mark was checking the temperatures and the brisket, he's like, "All right, this is what you want." And they would come over and grab the thermal pen and feel it. And they kind of knew, and they would, they could see what we were talking about. Yeah. It's still tight here, it needs to go. But when it was perfect, it was perfect. We had several people come up and says, I've never felt a brisket feel like that with a probe. Because yeah. like that one guy walked up and he wanted to push it. And I was like, no, just just let it touch it. And he's like, Shoo. yeah. And he's like, there's nothing there. And I was like, that's where you want it. <laughs> that's, I, was, I was like, overcook the crap out of it and bring it back. <laughs> what, what I thought was funny was the two guys from Norway had never eaten brisket in their life. They had like, that was one thing you know, they wanted to try. They weren't even worried about the hog as much. They were like, we want to eat brisket. We've never had it. I was like, ooh, y'all are freaking we heard ruined him. for life. Because he did. I want to <laughs> say. I kept going back. He ate four or five slices. I'm like, man. this better watch this. If you got to get on hog. a plane tomorrow, you don't want to eat this. <laughs> we hadn't got to the wings. We hadn't got to the hog. They were, But then you did the burn ends, and so you did jazz them up. Yeah, so. They were tossed and sauced and all that good stuff. So, that's so one, was that point or flat? The that burn was end. Point, point. Okay. Now, I did. So. Then again. Then again. <laughs> so the the point of these briskets, we started out right beside the, beside the hog on the hoss. Because I was like, we're going to get some of them, that grease dripping on them briskets. So have that drum flavor. Have that flavor. So I wasn't going to say that, but we're going to have that hoss flavor. Yeah, that hoss flavor. <laughs> we're changing that to hoss flavor. <laughs> so anyways, we started out, and that's where our morning got pretty eventful for a minute before y'all all got here. It's because those eight nines started dripping real quick. And we had a pretty good little drip, drip, drip down there, and it got pretty hot. Yeah. So about that time, we had just loaded the fire basket up with wood. We loaded the charcoal baskets up to put under the hog. They were going, so I was like, all right, you know, we're going to shovel these coals under the pit. We shoveled them. Well, I didn't notice Jay put a great big old piece of dry hickory. I mean, big piece. And we're sitting there, and he didn't see me shovel coals, and I didn't see him do that. So we walked in, get our coffee pits running 350, and we walked back out, and Jay's like, What'd you do? I said, what are you talking about? He's like, we're bumping 475. Oh, wow. And uh, he's like, this thing's hot. And I was like, yeah, it is. Well, we got to looking. And of course, them A9s, they were just, right. they were giving it, you know. Yeah. I was like, we got to get these off. Like, it's it's dripping too much, you know. So we got the points off there, got the fire. I mean, it. we checked her down and let her cruise. She stayed above 400 about an hour and a half. Like, just let it <laughs> settle on in. How long did it take to jump from 350 to 475? About three minutes. Really? That was before we got there with the donuts, and we were there at 6 o'clock. Yeah. <laughs> so we walked in. I poured me a cup of coffee. So however long it takes you to pour a cup of coffee, that pit went from 300 to well over 450. She was she was singing, but did That's not fire. Did not phase a hog whatsoever. Like, I mean, there was, there was no issue there. But anyway, so we started the points out on that. I moved them over to Fancy and let them finish. And I never probed them, never done anything. When the flats got done, I said, we might need to check these points. And I walked in, and it was just like he was poking water with the probe. Like, it was nothing there. Wrapped I, up. I was like, they're done. You know, and they're like, what temp is it? I was like, hot. 
Like, I don't know. <laughs> it's hot. It's tender. It's tender. That's what tip it is, tender. But we let, them, we let the flats and the point rest for, I'd say, about two hours. At least, because they were they were done. They were done at 10. 10, 11? Yeah. In the Cambro, and we didn't serve them till 1, wasn't it? Yeah. Was it? Or was it noon? No. Yeah, they, they rested two hours, yeah. Yeah. That's not they rested long. right at two hours. That's not long at all, really. No, really, that's at the a contest. Minim- that's a minimum. Yeah, rest. they go further. Yeah. But I wanted to give them as good of brisket as I've ever done, and I wanted to give them the same brisket I put in a box at the KCBS. And so we got up there, I docked it, sliced the edges, and that's when I turned the flat into some more burn-ins. And I docked them, and, of course, we cut the point up, made little cubes and sauced them and gave it. tried some non-sauced when you cut it so you could taste what it I don't know if that would be better. Then we tasted sauce. Then we tasted dipped at the end. Everybody was tasting? The Mm -hmm. whole time. Yeah. So we done a full-on comp flat, and then I done one that's just sliced. I don't know how much of the how much of the brisket was left. I didn't see any. I gave a little I, bit to I, Alex. Bitch, somebody walked off with that. No, we gave Alex a little okay. bag of it because he didn't get to come yeah. here, and he was driving. I never walked. I never walked back to the food table. That was two yeah. full packer briskets. They got cons- they were that good. They and the guy from the Netherlands, I know ate. Four or five slices a piece, not counting burn ends. Yeah. There was no burn ends left, I don't think. I think they all got eight. That was crazy. Was and Shell, with that one, that's where you served them. Your a mac smoked and mac and cheese and a roll. Yeah, you got smoked mac and cheese and a roll with butter. That's what, uh, I can't remember who it was, come up to me right after we'd done our little intro, and I think we'd just wrapped the hall. He'd come out, he says, what do you mean by you're going to hurt us? And I was like, oh, you'll know. You'll know. <laughs> Really? Yeah. Was he afraid? He was like, I've never heard nobody refer to feeding me. They were going to hurt me. And, uh, You're going to hurt yourself. We're just offering the, about three the means to do it. We're not forcing we didn't. No. We didn't strap them to the chairs and open their mouths or nothing. We didn't have to. We just laid it out there. Yeah. At about three o'clock. You couldn't walk in the building without like, getting your mouth no. water. Three o'clock, we're glazing the hog, and he says, we still got to eat this hog. And I was like, <laughs> yeah. That's what's bad, because we fed them. So that morning, they after their Bloody Mary... They got uh, sausage and double smoked, double smoked no. spiral ham and biscuits. Yeah, they got a dessert breakfast, which was white, <laughs> white chocolate, chocolate bread pudding with the whiskey. It's sauce. not rich at all <laughs> with the white with the white chocolate caramel sauce or whiskey sauce. Then they got the brisket. No, then they got the pork rinds, pork rinds, pimento cheese, smoked so we, sausage. We, we did country please and smoked sausage. We fried pork rinds and showed them how to. Do your own pork rinds. I mean, I, I think that's cool. I like watching the pork yeah. rinds get fried because they start off as little tiny dehydrated pellets. pellets. Yeah. And three seconds in the grease, they've poofed up. They pop and then you just let them get just right. And then you see, what were they say? They were seasoning them with the uh, prime, prime beef, beef and, and gringo. I think that, I, they tried those. I think they ended up going hot, with um, hot and prime beef. Prime beef with yeah, the two. Prime yeah. MSG. That's what it was. And then, <laughs> like so he brought those into the basket, and Shell had, when I said pimento cheese, it was like a white white cheddar jalapeno pimento cheese, wasn't it? Or a palmetto? It was a white Gouda. A the Gouda's palmetto. what I had. It was so good. Yeah, a palmetto, and then just a original. Yeah, just like a homemade pimento yeah. cheese. And then it had our hot uh, pickles. Two it had pickles. The spicy garlic. Crackers. The hot dill. Some cracker. To and go. a bunch of. And several of these guys were several whiskey drinks in by now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, because we I say after the Bloody Mary, we did the Tennessee Sunrise. And we made those right there for them. You know, that's the Jack Daniels, OJ, a little grenadine. It's a simple drink. It's one Mojo kind of came up with. And it's good. Before a contest, we always drank them in the morning. Like, if you didn't like Bloody Mary, you can make you one of those. So then we moved on to, like, open bourbon tasting, whatever you want. It's over there. <laughs> Then was, we made a batch of bullfrog. That right didn't come until later. That I have never. That was seen, the best bullfrog I believe I y'all made. Never seen a batch of bullfrog go so fast. It was like everybody got a glass. Everybody come back for another glass, and then I don't know what happened, and it was gone. See, Jay apologized because, like, he, I was like, he was like, I need to let the guest get bullfrog first. He's like, but. This is no holds. I'm going. So, like, <laughs> I think he was the first one to go to the container and get his. He's like, this is my favorite drink. It was good. It was really it was good. good. I don't know what but, y'all did different about that one, but it was something was different. So when did you serve the your homemade banana pudding? That came after lunch, after your brisket. Brisket, mac and cheese, and roll was lunch. Because that And then your, your dessert was banana pudding, a homemade banana pudding. And I'd had a plan to do the Reese's Pieces shot. 
Barista's which is Reese's peanut butter shot, which was Godiva chocolate liqueur and screwball peanut butter whiskey. But you forgot. Yeah, we couldn't find the Godiva that morning, so I just served a shot. I don't of think the... they needed it. They, no, no. <laughs> I said, I said, well, let me see what a shot better. of screwball is with this banana. So I took good. a spoon of banana pudding, put that in your mouth, swallow it, do the shot of screwball, dude. It's a game changer. It's one. That's it one of the good. best desserts. It was really good. So combos. I served it like. And everybody did a shot. Then the, the one lady was like, oh, I don't know if I like peanut butter whiskey. She sipped a little, and she stayed on that the rest of the day. <laughs> it's good stuff. She was like, ah, this is, this is good. <laughs> and then the whole time, they're like, they would say, all right, let's go over here and do a fireball shot. Let's do a fireball. I was like in my I felt element. bad for you. I was in my element. This was like, yeah. <laughs> I kept saying. No, like- this is for y'all, but I'm having a fantastic time. People don't realize, like, so you got – 12 guests and they all want to do a shot with Malcolm but it ain't but one of Malcolm so they're one shot in Malcolm's finna bump 13 <laughs> it was towards the end of the day it was getting 4 or 5 o'clock I'm like please just let them hold it together for oh but then we got into one of the whiskeys and you had to get a shot each whiskey and then they were making up whiskey shots and again and there's was, 12 of them I didn't know what to do and then to top it all off I think you knew exactly pre- what to do I knew what, to, I, knew what I had to do I know what I had to do, but then I got kernelized, and that was that was, was the, the highlight of the day. I don't think anybody could have gotten you anything any how, better. How did we not start that? When we start this podcast, with now on, I want y'all to introduce me as the Colonel, Colonel Reed. <laughs> you are officially a Kentucky Colonel. I, I it's did. the same kind of Colonel that Colonel Sanders was. I, except I've got sixteen herbs and spices. <laughs> <laughs> and catfish Three Colonel. More. Catfish kernel. Yeah. I've already ordered letterhead and oh, really? Oh god. <laughs> it's official. Like the governor of Kentucky signed this proclamation making me one of the Kentucky Colonels. Now there's probably a million of them. I don't know. <laughs> it's not the point. All I know is I am one of them. If I get the called to the Colonel's of, office at work, it's I, gonna be I bad. am an official member of the Brotherhood of Colonels and I have a white suit that I can just roll right into. You haven't might tried that on in a few years. It might know. be a little fat guy on the little coat, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so we got to all start calling my you Christopher Colonel. <laughs> yeah, so I'm officially Colonel. Mm. No, that, and I don't care if you call me Colonel, really. Jesus. You kind of want us to, though. <laughs> <laughs> it ain't going to hurt your feelings. It hurt my feelings if you call me Colonel. But no, then the whole great enough ready. now to be. Yeah, and then we had wings and nacho. <coughs> Nobody ate the nachos. Mikey did the wingman wings. Oh no, we ate nachos. I, I ate pork rinds and nacho it was, cheese. It was one bite challenge of pork rind and nacho. It was so good. It was. You just pump a little bit. They would just put it back there by the pork rind pans, and people would just come by and get one, pump some cheese in it, and go. I think Alec. I think he come by one time and he had a pork rind with nacho cheese, pork belly out of the hog, oh, and vinegar God. sauce up top. I was like, that's a good bite. <laughs> I like the way you think. That's a real good bite. But the pork rinds and the nacho cheese go really well together, but you got to work fast with them. Oh yeah, because they get soggy. Yeah. You can't build a boat of it. Yeah. Because they sog out. But if you do it one bite at a time and just put a little in there. If you've got go. hot nacho cheese on pump. Uh, yeah, you just go over and get a bump of it. It'd be all right. <laughs> get a bump of cheese. <laughs> and then we had the uh, hog dinner at the end. Which I felt bad because... Like, that was a very, very good hog. and They ate a lot of it, too. They ate a lot of it, but I don't think they got to enjoy it. Because yeah. that one guy said, I understand now. <laughs> he said, I'm physically hurting. The hurt guy? Yeah. Oh. So, but no, we, I guess the hog, like you said, it got done about 1230. We rested it. And when we mean rest, we just backed the pit off. It was running 200, 175, just keeping it hot. Let it sit. Just let it sit. And we glazed it up, got it pretty. Of course, we got it out, set it on the cart, garnished it. Had some kale, and that's when we discovered these heads are perfect. Yeah, these two half heads are perfect, and we ended up. I took a half pan and put in front of the shoulders and elevated the half heads on the half pan. Then we just covered up kale where you couldn't see it, but it was it. It turned out beautiful, especially in that sunlight. I mean, the color was there. Did you take that picture, or who who posted that? I posted it. I think Shell took that it. That was beautiful. Oh, I don't. No. It was like a show hog. Yeah, it was the one we rolled out in the sun because you got some pictures yeah. out in the sun. There was yeah. a little video that. Yeah, yeah you done the video too. But it was just a. You wouldn't think you could get that much color with just salt on the front end, at oh, all. I was impressed because I mean it, it colors up. Just now we did put barbecue rub on it at the end because by that point the pits cooled off, the sugar's not. We're well, not gonna burn. gonna burn it up. Yeah. see, and you're getting all that flavor. You've got the flavor in the hog you want. I mean, it, it's the 
the key point to that was getting that authentic, you know, old pit flavor of a hog. And all they do is salt those. They let the fattiness of the hog be the flavor. And at the end, when you just glaze it and put some rub on it to make it look pretty and bark it up a little bit, you're just docking yeah. on it. I feel like you took that and combined it with the comp hog and made like a beautiful little hog it's baby. A perfect storm. <laughs> it was good. Man, it was good. So we rolled it I in. I think if you show a judge that, man, they're not going to think. That pit will win a judge over. Now we got to find us some test dummies. Some test judges? Yeah. Oh, we can do that. Fine tune it. Anybody want to volunteer? <laughs> but we uh, that was the first hog that I've ever broke down that you could actually separate every muscle on that hog. And the muscles stayed together. Like I pulled a whole right. money muscle out of the shoulder intact. Like you could slice it. That's pretty impressive. Pulled all the tubes out. Like you could break that whole shoulder down. You could go to the ham. Break. Even we sliced the loin. Was, yeah. I mean, Jay come up there and sliced the loin. And, man, it was it was phenomenal. Really was. It was. It had a lot of moisture. It might have been a smidge over, but it wasn't nothing we well, can't in correct. The, in the areas where you want it to be right, it was yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, it, as you go back in that loin, they, I mean, they always tend to dry out on that end. There's just nothing there to protect them. But up where, you know, the front end, up on the shoulder side of the loin, that's the best part of it to me. Right before y'all served it, I, I told Emily, I'm like, you know, eh, whole hog is just, just some meat out there. Yeah. It's not, it hasn't been your favorite, has it? But this one, what'd you think? There's been a, there's take, been a few of them. I had we've to take cooked. back what I said. There's been a few of them I've cooked where they've been on that level, and this, I mean, I found the perfect bite for Shell, and I walked this whole store trying to find her to make sure she got that bite. And I found was her. it jow meat? It was jow meat. I made just a little little plate. It was jow meat, some temple, and bacon. I appreciated it. And that I, is the that's uh, the best that's the best of it, man. You got somebody looking out for you if they bring you that. You get Jow Temple. I know who writes my checks, so I'm going to take care of them. You don't need me. Yeah, I don't need you. (laughs) I had to give me a little alone time. I found her. (laughs) She was back there hiding on the pallet rack like she was in Superstore. Like she was in Superstore. She was hiding all the toilet paper in front of her at Superstore drinking her Miller Lite. (laughs) Leave me alone. Uh, no, but hey, I, I, once again, I just want to say thank you for all, everybody that helped us out with the Palmer Home yeah. this year. That was, uh, I mean, that was really cool that we got to raise the money we did and donate, and we had a great event. Um, everybody that come out and you know enjoyed that with us. That was that was a fun time. It, was a great it really time. was. I mean, we talked about it a lot, but I mean, it, it means a lot to Palmer Home to be able to you know help those kids. And I know. Like the people that were here, like they don't realize. I know it was a great time for them, but they don't realize how good a time it is for us. Oh yeah! Like this is one of my highlighted weekends, and that's what Jay said. He's like, "Dude, y'all don't have any idea what y'all have going on." He's like, "This is this is awesome." Yeah, He's like, "This is as good as anything." It wasn't a, it wasn't like serious. Like everybody's there trying to learn how to Mm-mm. cook the hog or take a class and all that. It was just hanging out and having fun. And to me, that's and I try to explain that to people. That's what barbecue is to me. It's not this meat that we're serving. It's not brisket. It's not whole hog. It's not something you you know fire up and cook ribs. It's it's the event of hanging out. That's what cooking barbecue yeah. is. It's the it's the whole gathering and sharing and having the camaraderie and having fun. You know the early morning stories that you get when you get the hog too hot and everything. I mean that's that's barbecue and that's what I love about it. Um, real quick, I want to ask Mark about. Some new videos that he oh, just yeah. put out on his a channel. A new video? Yeah. Got that new video. But real quick, I want to give a big thanks to BRF, Daniel with BRF for donating the hog. Big thanks to Kevin from the butcher shop for donating those two briskets. So oh, we really awesome. appreciate that. Oh. And big thanks to Jay and uh, Alec with Outlaw for coming down, bringing Bring the pit. The pit. They got, they got spoiled. Don't worry. <laughs> Everybody helped us out, man. Thank y'all. Yeah. No, we couldn't do sure it without them. I'm sure we're forgetting some people, but. It was pretty neat to show up at four thirty, put a hog on, and it's done at twelve. <laughs> I mean, that goes against everything I've, I've ever, ever done. <laughs> so, um, you put out a video this week. Mm-hmm. Was it this week? So it hit yesterday. We've been we've been hiding for several months now. We got a we had a busy summer, and I started doing the trailer build video, and we had that big trip in Colorado. So it was either. We're not going to Colorado, or you got to get this trailer done, and we're going to Colorado. So I paused life, got trailer done, went to Colorado, and we've just been busy. And then you started cooking since you got back from Colorado. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. It, and ain't quit cooking. Ain't quit cooking. And so we're going to try to, I got about five or six more we're going to try to do before the end of the year. Um, a lot of them are going to be pellet. Full blown YouTubes? Yeah. 
Holy smokes. Man. Wow. So, sorry, Tyler. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, we got we got several we're going to try to do and get a lot of pellet grill content because, I mean, I love cooking on my stick burners, but pellet grills are so easy for the viewers. They're, 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 they're everywhere, and they're not slowing down. So, why not capitalize on that? So, we done a pellet grill pizza, which is probably one of my favorite pizzas. Um, we get dough balls from a local restaurant, Boncebo, yeah, right here. about what's up with that? It's just easier to make, easier to go buy them from. It's it's foolproof. I've tried to make dough. Like I've done three or four recipes, and man, if you're off one degree on your yeast temperature, it's like you're eating rubber. <laughs> that like, happened to us last time yeah, we tried to make dough. Yeah. And just I just I don't have going. the patience for it. I can go spend three dollars, four dollars on a dough ball, go home, roll it out. I was going to ask you, what does he charge? Is it? I think I got four of them for twelve or sixteen dollars. Yeah. Like it's not much, but. Roll them out. I put a little flour down on some butcher paper, and you just use that butcher paper just like a pizza pan. And I don't like cooking on a pizza stone. You don't get it. It kills your airflow on a pellet grill, especially. Yeah. I mean, it's a hot surface, but there's no air to crisp that crust up. And so, cooking on the butcher paper, as soon as that crust sits, you just grab the butcher paper and slide it right out from under the pizza, and that pizza's cooking on a raised rack, and it's just getting crunchy. And it cooks. I mean, eight to ten minutes, and that pizza's done. But I done a Beef and mushroom pizza. I've done it with fillets before, but I was going to do ground beef. Keep it simple. So I was going to ask you what because you didn't. I didn't really catch. Did you just cook regular ground just beef? Ground beef. Store? Yep. All we done is had. I had a hamburger thing, meat. Hamburger meat. Had a thing of browned hamburger meat. I sautéed the mushrooms, and that was something that I tried to stress: is like make sure to cook your mushrooms before you put them on a pizza. Otherwise, it's going to be soggy. So much water cooks out of mushrooms. Yeah, did so, you have onions in it too? Mm-hmm. Red onions, and I done a uh, Alfredo sauce, and I added horseradish to it to go with the beef. I thought that was unique. And then come back with chimichurri as like a topping sauce, and man, it's it's very very good. Yeah, it, it looked. It's a savory pizza. It's yeah. one of them pizzas like you That's, won't eat a whole pizza of it, but you'll go back and get you a couple more bites. Like it's it's good. Was the cheese like? Did you cover it in cheese or mm-hmm. was it? So it That's was, what I was. I couldn't tell how cheesy it was. It was cheesy. It was a uh, two packs of Kraft, the shredded Shred. pizza cheese yeah, on it. Yeah. So that's a that's a pizza anybody can do though. Yeah, it's simple and like you don't have to have like. Don't get me wrong; these Kamados will cook a great pizza, but you don't. You can do this on your pellet grill. Yeah. Like, don't be scared. Crank it up and just let it cook. It may take fifteen minutes on yours, or it may take. Ten. Who just knows? make sure it's clean. I yeah. made that mistake, y'all. Don't have no grease. Don't cook. Yeah, don't for, cook pork butts night before yeah, and then low and slow all fire night, no wrap and then fire it up to five hundred. You will have a real pizza oven then. Yeah, it'll be fire. I've done that. But the pellet grill is just easy and the airflow just like the same way it does for chicken wings. Man, it it does great on pizzas. That's so, a great tip. Using the butcher paper and as soon as it sets, just pull slide it, it out. and let it keep mm-hmm. and let it cook directly on a grate and it'll get crispy. Yeah, it'll, it'll make really good crust. And it's easy because you rolled it out on that butcher paper. There's no throw your mess away. That's where I had trouble. When I was trying to do my own dough ones. I was trying to put a little meal on the pizza peel and slide it under it and slide it off like you see them do. Man, I jacked so many pizzas up doing that. <laughs> slinging stuff everywhere. And you done it folded it into a calzone? Yeah. I figured quick the pizza paper, the paper, works. and it, it won't burn. Like, oh no, it's not burning. Like I've cooked. We've it. done it, but we haven't pulled it. Yeah, you know, I, during I, the cook, I you have done that. Yeah, it I, takes about two or three minutes, but you can just if you have a pizza peel, you can kind of slide it on there and just pull the mm-hmm. the paper right out. You got to let that dough release from the yep. the paper, though. That's it, a big thing. It's foolproof. Like, and we do that all the time. Like, I'll take if we have company over, I'll go get five or six dough balls, eight dough balls. Everybody make their own pizza, and you can cook them in no time. And it's simple because then you got a pizza buffet. And yeah. I'm not mad about that. Yeah, like, so that one, <laughs> you said, let's say one, two, three, four, five, six. You can eight, cook eight at once. Eight pizzas at one time. It's pretty good size pizza. Yeah, yeah. it's a 12 inch. You know, yeah. it's it's plenty. Eight of them, sure enough, is. So ain't no big deal at all. What um, what videos do you have upcoming? Can you let us know? So since you got to have a turkey. I mean, I had a turkey video in mind <laughs> and I talked to Malcolm about it and all of a sudden. He just jacks my recipe. Was you doing outlaw turkey? No, nah, I wasn't gonna do it. I actually I was gonna do it. I had I bought some of those big turkey breasts from Kevin. I got him to send me oh, yeah. shoot like six of them. And uh he I'm sent gonna, me a text the other day. He's like, You need anything for for Thanksgiving? And I said, Man, you can't beat those big turkey breasts. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm gonna do uh I'm gonna do a Memphis style hot honey gold turkey breast and do it on the outlaw probably. I think that's a good idea. Just something to do barbecue rub on it, mix up. Might have to hit Mikey up, get his old wing sauce. Recipe. You got, I tell you, Mark, you need to do that tea. You talked about it, and I did it on a mesquite turkey that I did coming out 
next week, y'all. Is that right? Yes. That was a good turkey. Add that to the brine instead of water. I mean, I, this has been a, it's not a new recipe. I think I mentioned it last week to the rain. Mm-hmm. That's where I got it from. He'd been, I mean, I've heard him talk about it for years. The sweet tea in the brine, it's, it does something to it. See, I like the sweet tea and then I've done the apple cider and it's good. I've what done, do you mean, I've the done, apple cider? I've done apple juice. I've done some cider. I've done like as, a, oh, as apple, the liquid, like apple vinegar. cider. Right, yeah, apple cider. cider. Okay. I've changed it up. Maybe do a green tea. Do it. Uh, <laughs> jacked up on caffeine then. Getting real California right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You should have done, instead of sleepy chicken, you should have done a sleepy turkey. <laughs> Big old purple turkey. It would have been a good one. But now i got a few. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do an overnight brisket, uh, overnight pork butt on pellet grill. Just because dessert's coming? I cooked one last night. I may, that might be a video. Might get a little hate because I'm cooking with a sous vide, but it worked. Yeah. So, I I wouldn't share, don't share that one just yet. Oh, I'm not. I got to beat all y'all to so, dessert so category. Don't do a video on it just yet because you said you wanted to use that for something special next yeah. year. Yeah, that. Yeah, you're right. You had to come up with something. But now we got a few. I'm going to do that and do a wing video. Um, I'm going to do a hot and a uh, hot. Have you done a cheesecake on the smoker yet? I haven't. There you go. So we, me and Emily talked about it, and we've learned, and since she cooked cheesecake at the Jack, we've done it at the— That's what got me thinking. Yeah, we've done it at the Jack, and she cooked it at the house we rented, and the house we rented had a very nice stove, but it was a non-convection oven, and we've always cooked on convection. It was so good. It was way better than cooking on convection. Really? Yes. You thought so? Yes. No, it was—the color was better— it didn't even try to crack. Like, it was the most beautiful cheesecake I've ever seen her cook. I've never done a cheesecake on the pellet grill, but there's no reason why it wouldn't because it cooks a heck of a pie. I was yeah. going to say, it, it cooks a pie to me better than our yeah. convection oven in, yeah. the, in the house. I agree. Man, a sweet potato pie or pumpkin pie is so good on it. Yeah, it just cooks that so even. even and, yeah. Heck, Emily's cooked a pumpkin pie before on the outlaw, and it yeah. cooks just as, I mean, it's, you do got to watch, you will get some flavor on it, but it's, it's good. <laughs> But we got a few, so I'll, I'll be busy the next couple of weekends. I'm going to try to knock out a, one or two this weekend and get a few more released and definitely get some holiday stuff rolling because you got to capitalize so, on so that. I, that's what I was fixing to mention this. If you got to buy your turkeys this week. Get them this weekend. Uh, get them thawing out. If you're cooking a big one, especially Shell, we got that turkey thawing guide out there. Mm-hmm. So for the big turkey, like the 20, 24-pound turkey, that's the biggest one. It's You move it to the fridge next Thursday. The seventeenth, Thursday, so you Thursday got, the seventeenth, and move ahead. it to the brine on the twenty second. Y'all go to get them. I'm telling you, go ahead and get them. Hey, if you want to cook those breasts too, call my man Kevin down there at Pensacola. And they're good. That, that's the best best turkey breast going. That's what you're cooking on Thanksgiving. That's what I'm cooking. On Thanksgiving, <laughs> I hope. So we are going to next week. We're going to do a show all about turkeys and holiday cooking. So if you have any questions you want me to ask Malcolm, uh, put them on the community page, and I will. Turkey talk is what you're telling Turkey me. talk. Did we do that last year? We live? did. It was live fun. Game. It was great. Yeah. We might need to do that again, too. Maybe we'll do that. I don't know when. I won't be here. We're doing, yeah. <laughs> say we're doing turkey talk on the podcast next week. We're going to answer those questions. Uh, Mark, if anybody wants to find you, find your channel, find your videos, where they go? Y'all can find us at Swine Life BBQ. All the platforms, TikTok, YouTube, you name it. If y'all got any questions, let us know. I'll be glad to answer them. When are you going to do a whole hog on a BFO? Well, so I've done the hoss video with the hog, but I haven't done a recipe. Yeah. So right after we in Memphis in May, I'll do that video. Okay. (laughs) Mal, what do you got coming up this? This week? Oh, this is, uh, I'm going hunting. (laughs) (laughs) It's time to go to camp, y'all. Time to, I'm I'm about turkeyed out. I mean, I think, do I have one more whole turkey I got to cook? Oh, God. Because this is going to (laughs) be... I'm using, well, I'm, I'm not even going to say what I'm going to use. I'm going to wait. It's going to be a good one. We all, everybody knows you're using blue plate. I'm using blue plate. <laughs> I'm using blue plate on a turkey and see if it's as good as those wings I did. And it's going to be like an experiment. It's not going to be like a step-by-step. This is how you do a turkey that turns out the best. I don't know how it's going to be, but I'm hoping it's going to be good. And so we've got, man, we've got a ton of uh, holiday v- the recipes like for Thanksgiving that we've been putting out on TikTok. I've got that mesquite smoked. Uh, now, y'all got to bear with me because y'all know mesquite's strong. Mark, you was over there to try this one. That turkey's legit. That turkey was legit. But it's mesquite, it's mesquite smoked, but it's mesquite controlled, too. 
I didn't put just a ton light, of it on there. Mesquite yeah. lightly smoked. Light mesquite <laughs> lightly smoked. Yeah, lightly mesquite smoked. That's going to be a good one too. And I did do that sweet tea brine for that one. But um, there's going to be some good stuff coming out before Thanksgiving. So if y'all need some ideas or just want to try something new, hey, y'all check it out. TikTok. Uh, All got, of them. Yeah, we've already did another mac and cheese on the six cheese mac and cheese on there. We did a sausage dressing. We've got Devil sausage eggs. dressing was excellent. Yeah, it was we, so good. We've got a, was, a. Did you try the sausage dressing? I made it last year. Oh, it's oh, so, did you? Yeah, have you done I done it? a video on it last year. <laughs> oh, cool. Damn, I should have watched that one then. I thought I was being. I thought I was doing something different. Did you use sage sausage? Yeah, he came up with that Thank all God. by himself. Well, you fry the sage sausage, and that's your sage for the dressing. Don't add any more. I added more. Yeah, I had. I, I like sage in mine. You had one of them green dressings. No, it wasn't green. I, I, sh- chill. It's pretty good. It's pretty pretty good. good. I'm, I love dressing though. I do too. But I've got some. It. I've got some different stuff coming too. That's I think I got a leftover one that's going to be really good <laughs> if it comes if it pans out. The leftover one's going to be good. There's a better than honey baked ham one coming out for TikTok too. I'll be on the lookout. Yeah, Tyler, tell them about everything else. Hey guys, if y'all want to check out all of Malcolm's favorite recipes, make sure y'all go to howtobbqride.com, and we also have an app on the Google Play Store and the Apple Store, and. If you all will head over to Facebook and join our Let's Get to Cooking community where you can be a part of a group of like-minded pitmasters and backyard cooks and just we have a lot of fun in there. You can ask questions, share your recipes, and just have a good time. So That's where you can ask those turkey questions. Yep. That's where it is. If you'd like to connect with Malcolm, it's How to BBQ Right on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and, of course, YouTube. Uh, Mark, thanks so much for coming on, talking hogs. Thanks for all your hard work last weekend. Yes, ma'am. It's a pleasure. So if y'all have turkey questions or anything Thanksgiving related, jump over to the Facebook community, ask those, and Shell and I'll answer those questions next week on the podcast. We'll see y'all then. We gone.